He is risen. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so Friday was great. Uh, I don't know who was there Friday, but uh, many of you were. We had a hundred plus that came through on, on Friday to observe the Stations of the Cross. And I just wanted to, you know, this was an all, uh, all hands on deck kind of endeavor, which was amazing. So uh, I just want to thank, you know, the youth group who were willing to have some of our students go and read a whole lot of stuff uh, for you guys and probably mispronounce some words, but boldly put themselves out there anyway. Uh, so we're so thankful for the youth group. We're thankful for uh, Alora and all of the folks that came and led worship. It was beautiful in here. The lighting was amazing. So thanks to Bill and all those people that do lighting and sound and stuff. Thank you to Bob for all of the effort he put in clearing, cleaning up the grounds and so many other things that he did to make the, the prayer trail look great and make us to be able to get through all of that. Thank you to Adriana who helped me. We, her and I wept as we edited the uh, document that, was, uh, everyone, that the youth were reading, and, uh, but it was just a sweet uh, week to be able to do that together. Thank you to my lovely bride who made those amazing boards uh, and uh, the artist who actually made those that she kind of used to inspire what she wrote. I don't remember his name. Do you remember his name? What was the artist's name? Tom Dougherty. Um, anyway, so just beautiful stuff that was done. Uh, who am I missing? I don't know. There's somebody else maybe that I'm missing. But anyway, it was an amazing Good Friday service. Uh, for those of you who are able to join us, thank you for coming. I'm sure all of you are observing Good Friday in different ways, but it was a great. So let's thank those awesome. How many, how many people want sermon notes? <laughs> so yeah, I forgot to put these on the back table. Um, yeah. Anyway, if you want sermon notes, yeah, there they are. <laughs> so, yeah. Raise your hand if you would like sermon notes, if you'd like to, you can also uh, get them on our app as well. TACwriting.info digitally if you'd like to do that you can go on there and they have sermon note slide you can go into but uh, sorry about that so uh, you know like Jesus uh, this morning when I awoke you know I drank coffee oh my gosh it's a sweet sweet morning I, I praise the Lord for coffee um, and the I you know the opportunity to identify with Christ in that way uh, <laughs> So good. But no, I came out early this morning and walked the trail again and, and uh, watched the sun rise, right? And, and it was so good to walk the prayer trail again, especially in light of what we had walked on Friday. Uh, it was like almost, you know, kind of walking through it again and the, the images of death, uh, the images of sin and destruction gone and just the images of life, right? Spring, right? The flowers blooming, the sun rising and uh, just... What a sweet morning. I hope your morning has already been just beautiful like that and being able to commune with the Lord like that and uh, be able to dive into worship this morning. Uh, I am a little bit jittery. Thank you, Jesus, from Caffeine. Uh, so I, we might get through this message in, you know, 10 minutes. I don't know. We'll see. It's, it might go really quick. Uh, <laughs> but it is good. Oh, man. I feel like there was something else I was going to say, but I forgot it. So that's right. Well, let's jump in. So uh, do, we, do we realize, uh, and you know, I think, again, it's fitting 
I, I'm always amazed at how the Holy Spirit leads just me and my preparation, but also all of you. And he does this in your life. Don't think this is just a pastor thing, right? Uh, it's so often we go, oh, that's just a pastor because, you know, he's a pastor. You know, I, I may get some benefits, you know, from being a pastor, but amazing extra blessings maybe. But this is for everyone that he actually orchestrates the details, the, the, the steps of our life in amazing ways. And, and I, I was thinking this morning, I was prepping this message, or this week, yeah, this morning, yeah, I just started this morning because I had no time all week. And I figured the caffeine would kick in, it'd be all right. Um, and it's been good. But I was thinking this week as I was prepping the message, I was like, you know, um, we were preaching, you know, I started Genesis, and I had a plan, as I told you last week, to, to preach a couple of Genesis messages last week and this week, and then God changed that plan. However, the message today fits into this whole Gen- Genesis scope, right? Especially what I've been pre- preaching recently. The, the idea that this God who created everything is so amazing and awesome, so far beyond us. That he is a God who is so transcendent. He's not made, he's not like us. He's totally different than us. He's, he's you know, this infinite being, this impassable being, this, this uh, uh, immutable being, unchanging being, this, this amazing being who is so far beyond us, yet, can you believe this? He's so imminent. He's so here, he's so with us. He is in every moment of time. He is in every space in creation. It's amazing. But, but let's take the amazingness even further, the awesomeness of God even further. He came and put on flesh. He walked the life that we walk. On this earth with a human flesh body. Amazing that he did this. And then he died for us. He he laid his life. He suffered for us. And then he rose from the dead. This is amazing to even, you know, there's a lot of religions out there that have human beings becoming God. But there are not many where God becomes human. He so desired to identify with us and for us to be able to to see him as tangible, to be able to understand him, to be able to, to conceive him, to be able to kind of walk with him, to be able to experience him, that he came and put on flesh and dwelt among us. But the fact that This God who is so amazing and powerful and beyond us and also so imminent who then came and put on flesh, this means that this God is not only worthy of our worship, but he's worthy to be followed. See, Jesus laid it out. He lived the life that he calls all of us to live. And following Jesus means that we join him in all of life. Romans 8, you can turn there if you'd like. We're going to actually be a bunch of different passages from Romans today. Romans 8, 
verses 12 to 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with him. In order that we may also be glorified with him. In last week's message, matter of fact, this last week, not just, you know, just starting with last Sunday, all the way through the week, we suffered with Jesus. And my, ma- my message last week was the way of suffering, that we would identify with that, that we would recognize that this is a path that we all are called to walk. When we are following Jesus, we follow the path of suffering. But more than that, we also can follow and get to enjoy the path of glory. And this verse lays this out, that it's both suffering and glory that we get to enjoy. And so this morning, I want to uh, highlight and to focus now on the way of glory. But first, let's just remind ourselves of some of the suffering, lest we forget. (laughs) I'm sure we won't after this last week. If you engaged with it like I did, it was amazing. It was sad. It was hard. It was sorrowful. It was mournful. It was difficult to walk through it, but it was good. It was so good. So we join Jesus in life by joining him in suffering, which means four things. First, it means that we struggle with sin. We struggle with sin and the consequences. Jesus came and he struggled against sin. His life was lived in opposition to sin. Living that perfect life, and then, of course, at the end of his life, he dealt with it completely, right? He took on the punishment for sin. He received it. He received our sin, our punishment, and he defeated it. So we, too, when we're walking with Jesus, a life that is walked with Jesus means that we also struggle with sin. We fight against it. We don't just give into it, not only internally what's going on, but externally, When we see sin in this world, we work against it. We say, no, we're not going to let that stand. There is another way. There is a better way. There is a righteous way. And so we're going to stand up for what is good and what is right. Another way that we join him in suffering is that we put the needs of others ahead of our own. Philippians 2, 1 to 4. Also, 1 Corinthians 9, where Paul says that I have you know, I become all things to all people in order that I might lead some to the kingdom, right? That, that we are going to put other people's needs ahead of our own. That we will care for their needs. That means we sacrifice our own needs. It means we allow them to take second place. It means that when we have plenty, or maybe even like the widow's might who have very little, we give in order to care for others, knowing that God is the one who provides for us. 
We don't cling to our blessings that God has given us. We don't cling to the grace that we've received. We willingly give it to others, give it away, constantly looking for opportunities to share it with those who don't have, those who need. The third way that we join him in suffering is that we accept the rejection by the world. John 15, 18 to 20, and Jesus saying to his disciples, look, if they've rejected me, they're going to reject you as well. And so you got to get that around, get your mind around that. To live a life following Jesus, to live a life with Jesus, means that we are going to suffer. The world is going to attack us. The world is not going to like our message. Now, we as Americans, for a couple of hundred years, have enjoyed the blessing of our culture, a Christian culture that has allowed us to live freely and we don't get attacked for our faith. However, that is changing before our eyes. Amen? It's scary what's happening right now. We are becoming the rejected perspective in our world. We are perceived as the one who hate. So will we or can we stand up under that? Can we enjoy that? Can we accept the rejection like Jesus accepted it? This is what it means to walk with Jesus. We walk with him in his suffering. Consider Acts chapter 5. When the disciples are suffering, they get, they get thrown into jail, all right? And then an angel shows up, and they like break out of jail. And then the, the officials, the, the Jewish officials are hanging out. They're like, hey, we got, what are we going to do with these guys we have in jail? And then they go to jail, and they go, where'd the guys go? And like the, all the soldiers are like, uh, well, everything's locked up. I don't know where they went. So this miracle happens. So then they oh, they're out preaching in the street again. So they go out, and they grab them, they bring them home, and they beat them. After beating them and warning them, do not proclaim the name of Jesus, they go out into the streets, of course, proclaiming, but also finding a great joy that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. Are we that way? Are we like those disciples? Are we willing to take the attacks for Jesus and give glory to his name and rejoice that we were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus? We also, when we join him in living, we join him in the suffering of surrendering our life in obedience to God and the joy of honoring him. Our life is no longer our own. We have been purchased with a price. Jesus died on the cross for us. He purchased our life. When we come to him and declare him as Lord, that means that he is Lord. He's in charge of our life. Our life is surrendered for him. But not just for obedience, just like Jesus didn't just follow his father's will out of obedience. There's also a sense of joy that we would have the privilege of giving our life as a sacrifice in order to bring glory to God's name. This is the life that we've been called. If we're going to follow Jesus, we follow him in suffering. But praise the Lord, it is not just in suffering. We also get to join him in glory today, in the moment, now, not for some future glory. We'll get to the future glory, but right now, it's just the glory for today. Four areas that we get to join Jesus in glory today. First of all, an amazing restored relationship with our Father. The one who created us, 
The one who loves us, the one who has pursued us, the one who gave his life for us, the one who brought us to his own, who's accepted us. When we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, we get accepted into not just like his slave kingdom, but no, his family. We are then joint heirs with Jesus. We get to enjoy the same benefits that Jesus enjoys. This is an amazing and powerful truth that right now, again, the moment we bow our knee to Jesus, we have all of God. That relationship is fully restored. It is not something we have to strive for. It's not something we have to try to to discover or to achieve. It's something that we have because we are now a child of God. Amazing and beautiful and powerful. What glory that is for us to be able to walk with that with confidence knowing this amazing truth. Next, we can join him in his glory today by, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit that comes in, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and we are a new creation. Right now, the Holy Spirit comes in, and this allows us to understand and interpret God's words to us. He's communicating to us. You know, the, one of the greatest privileges of being a pastor is the weekly uh, wrestling with Scripture where the Holy Spirit speaks. And I can stand up here on Sunday mornings knowing that this is not my message, but it truly is God's message. He's the one that brought the message to me. Now, my words sometimes stumble or whatever, but the Holy Spirit is able to kind of flatten that out a little bit, hopefully, and you get his truth. But this is what we're all looking for. We all have this access. The Holy Spirit is in us. When we open up Scripture, he reveals truth to us. Don't be afraid of Scripture. Don't be afraid of thinking, I can't understand it. Don't be afraid of Deuteronomy. I, I've had a great, I have a friend of mine who, who, he loves the Lord deeply, but he's always struggled with Old Testament, and then the Holy Spirit said, hey, you need to start reading the Old Testament, Genesis through, the first five books, right, the Pentateuch, right? And, and he has been shocked as the Lord has revealed these amazing truths, and he's connecting with these first five books, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, that everybody goes, ah, that's the worst book ever, right? And Numbers, like, oh my gosh, give me a break, right? How repetitive. But God is in it if we take this before the Lord. Jesus, his spirit is in us, and he will reveal truth. And more than that, he will empower us. He will empower us to do whatever he calls us to. See, again, we don't have to hesitate. When the Holy Spirit is in us, not only does he communicate to us, hey, this is what God's will is, but then he gives us the power to do his will. We don't have to hesitate and say, ah, I can't do that. No, we just step. If he's calling us to it, if he's leading this way, he will empower. So we can live. This is what it means to live the life for freedom. We don't have to plan tomorrow. We don't have to plan today. We don't have to plan the next step. It's already planned for us. We just follow him and he will give us what we need in the moment. When we live with Jesus, we get to join him in glory for today, which also means that we have the ability to resist sin. Sin is a continual battle for us, as Paul talks about in Romans 5, this struggle of doing the thing I don't want to do and not being able to do the thing I want to do. It is still a struggle for us, but we can say no. We can say, I'm not doing that. We can resist the devil. We can resist Satan. He can't force us anymore. This is the beauty when we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord and the Holy Spirit comes in. Now sin no longer controls us. We have a real choice to make. 
We can choose Christ and righteousness. Not our righteousness that saves us. It's not our righteousness that allows us to be sanctified. It is the Holy Spirit again working through us that leads us and helps us and guides us and gives us the strength to say no to temptation. And finally, we can join him in the glory of today by seeing his kingdom come today. Not just a future kingdom. I mean, Jesus, when he was walking the earth over and over again, said, the kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. His point is that he is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is found in him. And as we step into the kingdom of God through Jesus, we are now in the kingdom. We can experience it here and now. We can see reconciliation happen now. We can see good things happen now. We need to recognize this reality that even though the world is fallen, even though there is sin surrounds us, even though we are struggling against sin ourselves, we will see successes. We will see good things happen. We will see his kingdom come. It is the Holy Spirit. It is the one who is walking with Jesus that is able to enjoy more fully the reconciliation of relationships. Relationships with family, relationships with friends, relationships with coworkers. This is why we as a church should be in the most diverse uh, community in the world. It's because we know how to reconcile with one another. Maybe not us personally, but because the Holy Spirit is in us, helps us to do that. The church should be a place of reconciliation, not division. May we continue to live in that and recognize that that is evidence of the kingdom, that we can see his kingdom happening here, now, in our world. Finally, we can also, when we walk with Jesus, join him in the glory of tomorrow. It's not just glory today, you know. Uh, we, we, can, we can focus too much on tomorrow. Sometimes we think that, right? That, that's the only glory we get is in the future, that we still are stuck in this world and have to struggle and all that kind of so thing. You know, but no, we got, glo- we got glory today, but we also do get this glory tomorrow. First of all, of course, the resurrection from the dead. Do you understand this amazing truth that we no more need to fear death? this side of heaven or the other side of heaven because death is a defeated enemy. We know that our, just like Jesus, death was not the end, it's the beginning. When we know Jesus, we know that resurrection for him happened and that means that it's going to happen for us because he has promised that he will bring us. Uh, let's read uh, eight, Romans 8 verse 11. This is amazing truth as well. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is our hope as well. This is the glory that we are getting. Can you imagine how exciting it'll be the day or the moment after your death when you realize, yes, I have defeated death as well, not because of my power, but because of Jesus' power. To be able to stand on the other side of death and go, yes, this is it. This is what I've lived for. This is what I hoped for. And now it's realized. Jesus 
is so good. The power over death is so important. And then when we get to the other side, you see this side, death is just, you know, it's a defeated enemy. On the other side, it's an enemy that's destroyed. And we never have to think about it again. Imagine that. How many of us live our lives trying to avoid death? How many of us, every day, every decision it seems like we make is one of safety in order to protect our life in some way? No, in eternity, it's total freedom from that. No worry about that. Imagine the houses you're going to be jumping off of, right? Oh, maybe not. (laughs) Don't test the Lord, right? That's right. So beautiful. And here's the other good thing that we get. There's the amazing glory of tomorrow. And we're going to read this passage as well because this is so good. I love this passage. Anyway, is that we get a new and improved body. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, they'd say that there's more than three dimensions. You know, we, we all, you know, we operate in a three-dimensional world, right? But, but God, you know, we've got everybody kind of, like scientists are like, yeah, it's probably more than three dimensions. But we as Christians know there's got to be more than three dimensions, right? Because you see this Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, like walking through doors and walls and doing stuff. And, and we, of course, we just, even without that, we know like, like there's a spiritual realm going on, right? There is something, even our own individuals, right? I mean, just the thoughts that we have, where is that? What dimension is that in? Right? It's not a physical dimension. It's not an emotional. What is it? It's not in time. What, what is going on? Right? And so we know that there's a fourth dimension. But we get new and renewed and improved bodies. Chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians 42 to 44. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, and it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Do you realize how awesome it's going to be to have this new and improved body? You know, it's going to be the 25-year-old self or version of yourself, right? It's going to be amazing. It's going to look so good. You're going to be like, you know, just six-packing all over the place, right? It's going to be amazing. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine the workout room? You won't even have to. You just kind of pretending, right? Oh, oh yeah, thank you. It's going to be amazing. We've got new bodies that are going on, and it's going to be awesome. Anyway, uh, join him in his glory for tomorrow in the sense, in this reality, that there are no more battles with sin. Oh, my gosh. We... You know, we enjoy this amazing reality that positionally we are perfect, right? That the the imputation of Jesus' righteousness is placed on us, right? So we get credit for Jesus' righteousness, and that is great. But we also recognize that we still struggle with sin. And the beauty and the amazing part of the glory that we get to experience tomorrow is that that sinful nature leaves us. No more fighting with those thoughts that we don't want to think. No more fighting with those words that we don't want to speak. No more fighting with the actions that we don't want to do. We will be perfect in, in not just positionally, but in actuality, in reality, for the rest of eternity. Oh my gosh, what a beautiful, and I mean, this is what we long for. See, I, I think sometimes we don't get it, right? That it's not just about getting today's glory. It's not just about the fact that we can say no today, but it's the fact that someday this battle is over. Now, sin is a defeated enemy for sure. Jesus did that on the cross, 
right? It's done. It's over. It's defeated. But when we get to heaven, it's a non-existent enemy. It's totally getting destroyed. It's gone. We don't have to fight it anymore. Praise the Lord. Oh my gosh, this is so good. Thank you, Jesus. I guess I could say, oh my God, right? Isn't so good, right? Instead of gosh, right? This is appropriate for that. Oh my God, you are amazing. Um, All right, one last one. (laughs) When we live a life with Jesus, we get to walk with him in suffering and in glory for today and also in glory for tomorrow that is an eternal existence and a totally restored creation. See, it's not just our sin that's eliminated, it's all sin that's eliminated. It's not just some couple of reconciled relationships. It's all reconciled relationships. Can you imagine seeing in eternity your enemy, the the battle, the fight that you've maybe fought with them, or, or maybe a family member that you've always just had this rift with and never been able to reconcile, and you get to heaven and you recognize each other, and it's just... There's not, all the pain, all the suffering, all the hatred, all the lies have all dissipated and all you see is this person as they are in Christ. And all they see is who you are in Christ. Totally reconciled, totally restored creation. We don't have to deal with, you know, the things of creation fallen and broken. I, for one, am very happy about not having weeds anymore. Right? Oh my gosh, weeds are the worst. I was weed whacking the other day, and it's like, oh, man, my arm hurts. Anyway, we don't have to deal with this anymore. This is going to be an amazing creation that we're headed to. No more suffering. No more sorrow. No more pain. We need to read Revelation just to drive this point home, I think. Revelation 21, verses 1 to 4. Let's read the whole, cha- whole chapter. It's just amazing. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is, this is what we get. This is the glory that we get to enjoy tomorrow. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Imagine the imagery. Oh, there's so much. And I heard a loud voice from their throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. You imagine seeing the face of Jesus. We can really find out if he was blonde, right, or not, right? I mean, I'm curious. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying. Won't have to be a blubbering mess like last week at the end of the service, first service or something. 
That would be nice. No more pain, for the former things have passed away. This is the glory that we get to enjoy tomorrow. We must keep this in mind. We must recognize the glory for today and the glory for tomorrow. Jesus is risen. These are the things that we get from a God who is tremendous, awesome, powerful, transcendent, but also a God who is eminent. He's in every moment. He's in every space. But more than that, a God who came and put on flesh and lived among us. He dwelt with us. He hung out with us. He got dirty. He cried. He dealt with all of the stuff that we deal with human beings so that he could not just save us, but so that he could give us an example of how to live this life. And that if we choose to bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, we then can walk with him in his suffering indeed because this world still has suffering, but there's hope even in that suffering because we also get to enjoy his glory today and tomorrow, amen? Worship team, come on up. These final words I'll give as they come. We get to walk with Jesus in the sorrow and the suffering and in the glory. May we strive each day to enjoy more fully the intimate love relationship with Jesus Christ, our risen and returning Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that one day you are returning have risen from the dead and we get to enjoy the glory for today but Lord we are still looking forward to that glory of tomorrow and that day of your return we thank you that you are a God who has risen from the dead and that you are a God who is returning to bring your people into that eternal kingdom this is our hope this is our plan this is what we're excited about this is what we're looking forward to as we continue to walk in the suffering and to walk in the glory of today but always with hope, always looking to future as well, knowing that someday this struggle will be finally over. Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing goodness, your amazing love for us. And thank you that you have pursued us, that you came down to earth for us, that you willingly suffered and died. Thank you that you defeated sin. Thank you that you paid the price for our sin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Give us greater gratitude for who you are, Lord, this year, this, this time, and this moment, but each day that we would come to a deeper appreciation for all that you are, all that you've done, and continue to look forward to that day when you return. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 and following. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by him in white robes and said, 
Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you have seen him go into heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah.